everyone and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. This week I've got a great episode if you want to know one of the major reasons why we have seen the cost of living go up so much. I say one of because few things have a single cause. There are a multitude of reasons for most things. Few things have a single causality. Rising prices is no exception to that. No human is smart enough to understand every single little detail and cause and reason that influences rising prices. Only God, because he is omniscient. Now that isn't to say that we don't have economic principles like inflation and that we don't know major and minor causes of inflation but that the specifics of things like supply, demand, and monetary policy are innumerable. Not to say that we can't define those things, but rather that all the different little factors down to the rise of prices of whatever few goods because of a warehouse catching fire and things like that are huge and only someone omniscient like God can calculate it all. But this week on the podcast, we are covering something that has been a major cause of rising prices. This is something that spans many countries and goes back way further than the last couple years. In fact, it goes back centuries. This reason for increasing cost of living predates the United States by a long time, although the U.S. has done a lot to advance this cause of higher prices. But before I tell you that major factor in the rising cost of living, we have a few housekeeping items to take care of. First, I want to ask you all to subscribe to Theana Money on your favorite podcast catcher. Please also follow Theana Money on social media and tell your friends about it. And lastly, if you want some cool merch about economics or theonomy, then check out bonfire.com store slash theonomy, Theana Money. My bad. So back to this week's episode. We are not talking about inflation, though that topic, and especially the inflation we have seen the last two years, is important. And believe me, there will be episodes that cover those topics. But this week, I want to talk about a rise in the cost of living that, while related to inflation, isn't simply, merely inflation. This rise in prices and rise in the cost of living that we are talking about this week is one I would actually call a good thing. How is a rise in the cost of something a good thing? Well, let me tell you a couple of stories to help illustrate it. Picture two people, a king and a peasant, both living one or two thousand years ago. Let's picture them one at a time, the peasant first. We'll call him Garo. He is a farmer. 
the same as his grandfather's grandfather and many generations before even that. As long as there's no drought, late frost, or any other unusual and detrimental weather patterns, he is confident in his ability to feed himself and his family without too much to worry about and without too many concerns about the future, which is more than can be said for some of the others in his area. He does what he can to help them, but except for years of strong harvest, offering too much help puts his own family in jeopardy. He works from sunup to sundown, sometimes into the night if the moon is bright enough, and every able-bodied person in the family works to keep them at least somewhat confident about the future. Down to his three-year-old son, who can't do much more than pick up sticks around the farm from their few fruit trees, but he does a good job of that, and it lets the older kids and adults focus on more important tasks. Let's think about Garo's house on his farm. Maybe he inherited an old farmhouse from a deceased relative, or maybe he found an old abandoned one. Either way, he probably spent some time, maybe a couple years if it was an old abandoned one, fixing it up, and what little free time he had to make it livable for himself and his wife, though back then they were probably only betrothed. Or perhaps more likely, he built it himself with the help of some friends and family. Gathering materials and buying what he couldn't produce himself took some time, but from start to finish, the materials were acquired and put together into a nice home in only a few years. Most of the time, Garl's family eats whatever they grow on the farm, but hunting trips and trading with friends bring some variety to their otherwise unchanging diet. The winters can be bitter, but his wife makes warm blankets and clothing and the family cuddles together in front of the fire, wrapped around one of her blankets if a particularly cold spell hits. That is, when they don't have to be out making sure the animals don't freeze or starve. However, Garo doesn't really have monetary expenses. His house and land are paid for, he generally fixes whatever breaks himself, and his wife makes their clothing by hand. Whenever they need something they can't make or fix themselves, they trade food or a bit of gold they got from selling what little extra food they have each year. But for the most part, Garo's family only has one cost of living, producing enough food to survive from year to year. Now let's picture a king. We'll call him Roran. And I'm having a bit of fun with the names I'm coming up with. Some of you might know where they come from. Roran has a much easier life than Garo. As long as the nation doesn't get attacked or have any serious disasters or revolts, he's pretty set up. When it's hot in the summer, he can have a servant fan him. When it's cold in the winter, he can have a servant build a large fire and he can put on some of his expensive warm clothing. His cooks even have at least a dozen different spices to use to season his food to make it some of the best food in the land thanks to trading with merchants from far away. Roran has servants that can do many different things for him, such as read to him, find information for him, or write down what he says. His life is way easier than Garo's. What do both have in common? If you live on the poverty line in the United States, you have an easier life than both of them with more conveniences and nice things let alone if you live above the poverty line. How is that so? 
How someone on the poverty line in the U.S. has an easier life than Garo is probably not hard to convince people. They don't have to work from dawn until dusk, along with wives and children working many hours as well, just to keep from starving to death. Garo's food was probably kind of bland, at least by our standards today, and eating might often have been done more to survive than for enjoyment. Although good food with friends and family is something that people of all times have enjoyed and appreciated, not just in modern times. So when you think about how hard Garo's life was, yeah, people can understand how someone on the poverty line in America probably is a nicer one. Even someone on the poverty line in America can afford to go to the store and buy spices and things like that. Even more spices than Roran the King could have had at his disposal. And speaking of Roran, what about him? Wouldn't a king, even one a thousand years ago, have had a better life than someone on or barely above the poverty line in America? I'm not so sure about that. There are a lot of things we have that makes life easier or more just survivable than either Garo or Roran had. Take medicine, for example. Despite many issues with our current medical system, you can go to the store and buy medicine, some over-the-counter and some with a prescription. This medicine lessens the painful aspects and other symptoms of medical issues that even Roran as a great king would have had to, for the most part, just deal with. Even though those who lived a thousand years ago were much more intelligent than we often give them credit for with our chronological snobbery, they were limited in the things that would not be invented for many more centuries, just as people a thousand years from now will look back on us today. You have a headache and can take one of a number of pain medicines. You get a cold and can take some medicine to relieve the symptoms and then take some vitamins to help your body fight it off. You get some kind of illness that was almost certainly lethal in centuries past and can get a prescription from your doctor that will have you mostly, if not entirely better, within just a couple of weeks. You can go to the grocery store and, with $50, purchase a wider variety of fruits, vegetables, and spices than even Roran would have ever seen in his entire life. And the amount of money he would have spent on whatever assortment he could acquire would have probably cost him a lot more than the equivalent of $50 in today's money. Remember that list of things I said Roran's servants could do for him? Reading to him, finding information for him, and writing down things he tells them? I said those three things specifically because they are things your smartphone, which even people in what America considers the poverty line are often able to acquire, can do for you. You can listen to podcasts and audiobooks off of your smartphone. You can Google things on it. You can even tell it to look that thing up for you with voice commands so you don't even need to touch it. You can also use dictation so that it will take notes for you without you having to pick up a pencil or touch a keyboard. As Doug Wilson has said, a smartphone is equivalent to about 10,000 servants. And even the greatest of kings probably didn't have that many at their disposal. I wonder if even Solomon in all his glory had that many. Now, all of these nice things have a cost, and this is where we get back to the topic of today's episode. 
that cost causes you to have a much higher cost of living than they did relative to the other differences in cost between our different times. Neither Garo nor Roran had to worry about an electricity bill, but that electricity bill keeps your house cool when it's miserably hot outside in the summer, thanks to the invention of the air conditioner. They didn't have to worry about a gas bill, but that gas bill keeps your house warm when the temperature outside is below zero Fahrenheit, thanks to the invention of the furnace. Your whole family doesn't have to cuddle together in front of a fire to keep from hypothermia when you get a particularly cold spell during the winter. You just have to pay a bit more for gas to get your furnace working a bit harder. They didn't have to worry about a water bill, but you turn on your kitchen faucet and get water that's cleaner than what they got from their well or nearby stream. These increases in the cost of living, these rising prices, are a good thing and we should consider them carefully. Sometimes I think about how expensive things are and how much cheaper people had it in past centuries and millennia or in places today that have not experienced these benefits yet. But I also remember that they had it cheaper with their own cost. All of the hardships they had to deal with that we have lessened or altogether done away with with some of our advancements. So I think about how much easier they had it, then I remember they still had it difficult, just some of the ways we have it difficult today are different than the ways they had it difficult then. Others of them are the same. Everyone still has to suffer with the fall. But some of the particular ways the fall manifests itself throughout history can change based on advancements and technology and things like that. And also that can relate to hashtag that post mail, but we're not going to get into that right now. I think my house is too cold, so I walk to the thermostat and have it raise my house one degree. Then I complain about how much I pay for my gas bill each month as if I had it so hard. Now don't get me wrong, we still live in a fallen world and things are still hard, but the spread of the gospel and technological advance, which is sped up by the spread of the gospel, make those hardships lighter. Now I deal with a gas bill and having to replace my furnace every couple decades instead of just having to deal with the cold. Sure, what I pay for my heat plus the cost of that new furnace split up year by year might be $1,000 a year, but that is better than the alternative of a fireplace, clothing, and the body heat of the person beside me, and little more than that. So we have a lot more bills than people in the past have. Most of us probably didn't build our house ourselves, and if you did, you probably still had high costs and all of the materials you needed to build it, and likely went into debt to purchase them all. But compare our houses today to ones a thousand years ago. They probably did better with what they had than we would if we were in their shoes, but scientific advances have helped us greatly. I'll take my brick home with an AC and furnace and running water and electricity all hooked up that retains heat in the winter and cool in the summer, even if it will take me several decades to pay it off. I'll take that over the most state-of-the-art home from a thousand years ago, even if the latter would have been much cheaper and paid off much sooner. So technological advance has brought new costs to our lives, but those costs 
come with great benefits that, for most people, far outweigh the higher cost of living. And some technological advancements make things cheaper. For example, if I remember correctly, I have a six or seven year old Intel four core threaded processor in the desktop I use to make these podcast episodes. It's nice, but honestly, I think I may switch to AMD whenever I replace the motherboard, which may have to be somewhat soon based on how finicky my computer acts sometimes. That's for all you computer nerds out there who probably know what I'm talking about even better than I do. That processor is nice, and not only is it significantly more powerful than a processor from a couple decades ago, that old one was actually more expensive when it was new than mine was because technological advancements not only increased the power, but actually decreased the price. Another example is the several hundred pound 32 inch TV from 20 years ago that probably cost like a thousand dollars compared to the 55 inch 4k flat screen you can get for five or six hundred bucks now and it maybe weighs 40 pounds so you can easily carry it by yourself. So in one sense technology increases your cost of living and in another sense it can decrease it. You can now start a business online and work for yourself from home with your computer that is significantly more powerful and cheaper than a computer from a few decades ago. So technology gave you more freedom and made things cheaper. But also, no matter how cheap that computer you bought is, buying a computer is more expensive than not buying one. And people who lived a thousand years ago, like our fictional Garo and Roran, didn't have to worry about purchasing computers. So if you consider purchasing a computer a cost of living, and these days it almost seems to be a necessity, and it especially is if you run your business from it, then in one sense, technological advance did increase your cost of living. The fact that computers have been invented and you may need to purchase one, but in another sense, it decreased it. A $500 computer in 2022 might be more powerful than a $1,000 computer in 2012. So think of all the things we have access to today that most humans throughout world history have not had available to them. Things that may cost money, but make life easier, make life more productive, so most people don't have to work sun up to sun down to survive. They can spend more time with family, or on hobbies, or volunteering, or working a side hustle for extra income. These things may cost money and add expenses that those in the past didn't have to worry about, but those extra expenses come with advancements that can save your life, or ease the pain of something that can't be healed. Electricity is nice so that you can flip a switch and do some work or read a book past when it's dark outside. Sure, you have the cost of electricity and the light bulb and the switch and wires and whatnot, but the ability to have light no matter the time of day is worth that. We've already talked about furnaces to stay warm and air conditioners to keep cool. And without those, life would be difficult, if not impossible, in some areas with very hot or cold climates. Those cost money, but they are worth the additional cost of living. We also briefly touched on medical advancements, but let's look at that a bit more. Just a century ago, if a major organ started malfunctioning, 
it was a death sentence. Now we have medicine to aid such an illness and technology such as dialysis to live without the organ functioning properly or even organ transplant to put the organ of someone who has died into your body so that you can survive. Something that people in the past would have probably called necromancy. Sure, some of those advances are corrupt. Research on aborted fetal cells should be abandoned altogether, no matter what technological advance may come, because the ends do not justify the sinful means. Now that doesn't mean because something was discovered in a wicked way that we must not use it. Medical advance, even some of the medical advancements related to organ transplant, came from research done by Nazi doctors. So we don't need to not use research acquired sinfully, but we should not acquire research sinfully ourselves. Even some of the expenses associated with such things can be corrupt, such as the horribly corrupt medical insurance industry that, thanks to its own corruption and government involvement in it, hinders scientific advancement in that field and also raises prices instead of lowering them. Just imagine how much worse it would be if we had a single-payer system where the government is the only buyer and thus we'd eliminate what little competition is left. A good analogy I heard recently, I think it was on CrossPolitik, was that if car insurance worked like medical insurance, instead of going to a tire shop of your choice and buying four new tires for, say, $200 each tire, you go to the tire shop you are told you can go to, your tires cost $500 each, and your insurance covers half of it, so you're left with $250 per tire. Now, four tires cost $1,000 instead of $800, and you have a higher insurance premium each month to cover the cost of things such as tires, and tire technology probably doesn't advance as quickly as it used to. And related to tires is another example. The automobile has changed life for billions of people around the world. Billions with a B. Sure, a new vehicle is expensive, especially right now, it's very expensive. Most new cars probably cost over half of the average annual American income, but it has increased mobility, both in the speed with which you can get from place to place and the distance that a single person can travel. It's also decreased prices to ship things long distances, and it has created industries or helped other industries to grow larger, giving millions of people new jobs. Also, there are even technological advances that rose costs, but with added benefits, that occurred millennia ago. In the ancient world, chariots cost a lot of money, but a chariot pulled by horses was a faster mode of transportation and a superior mode of battle than being on your own two feet. Or just the horses for that matter. Raising, training, and feeding horses cost a lot of time and money, but it is easier and faster to get around on a horse than by walking or running. And there is a downside to the higher cost of living in exchange for things that make life more comfortable and not as difficult. Or just plain easier to not die. That downside is the higher cost. That's kind of the point of this episode. 
that the higher cost is worth it and we shouldn't look at this higher cost like we do higher cost from inflation. But that higher cost hits different people differently. Those who are poor get hit harder by this than those who are middle or upper class. These people may almost want to go without some of the niceties of modern life because they just plain can't afford them. This is where some would say the government needs to get involved to make things cheaper for them or give them handouts. But we need to have a biblical approach to helping the poor, and governmental involvement is not it. The family and the church need to be the ones helping the poor. And this has been discussed in many episodes already, so we won't dive into it here. If you want more info, check out any episode with the word poor or welfare in the title, as well as the episode titled Spheres of Sovereignty. So when you think about how expensive it is just to live these days, consider the ways that inflation or government overreach into the economy is a factor in that, and let's try to find biblical approaches to change that. Last week's episode, Post Mill in Real Life, might give you some ideas. But also think about some of those bills you have that people in history didn't have to worry about, but you also wouldn't want to do without, such as medicine when you are sick, or a furnace in the winter, or an automobile when you need to go somewhere. Think about that and how maybe some of these higher costs of living due to scientific or technological advancement are actually worth it and do make life better. So that was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is sure, perfect, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfies me Your law is sweet